And on that note, I'd like to invite Ben to come up, and Ben is going to give a testimony for us this morning. So give him a warm Blue Ocean welcome. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ben. Really? Uh, okay. Uh, I'm Ben. Uh, and I just wanted to give a quick testimony about how God's been good to me. Uh, and uh, I moved here 2003 from Kenya. And uh, God's been faithful. And, um, but even with his faithfulness, there's been a lot of challenges I've had to go through. And I know we all have difficult times in our lives. Uh, long story short, moved here. I mean, grew up in Kenya in a very charismatic church, lifting hands, worshiping God, speaking in tongues and all that. Uh, but uh, in my heart, I always knew that I was gay. I mean, I knew I was different, didn't know what's different about me. Uh, but then I came to find out that I was gay. And that was, that's a very hard thing in Africa, I mean, and in Kenya too, especially with Christians and all that. Uh, but, uh, God, I think God put it in my spirit that he had no problem with me. And even though I was struggling a lot, it wasn't about, God, do you love me? Or God, do you accept me the way I am? It was more of a struggle about people around me. My family, what are they going to say about me? Uh, church, because I was very involved in church. So there was all this uh, conflict and fear and depression and all that kind of thing. Uh, but then I moved here, and culture shock. Uh, I, always, I, always, <laughs> I always tell people that I didn't know I was black until I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the whole thing, and I was in the South. Um, I went to nursing school uh, in Savannah, and it's a whole different culture, and I went through all these things. And, and it's very hard. Uh, I had some friends, white friends, and I would tell one of my very good friends, John, about some things I was experiencing, and John would be like, Ben, I think you need help. You are very paranoid, or you're very... It can be. But I understand, if, you've not, if you don't go through some things, then you would never know about that. Uh, but anywho, uh, over the years, I've made some very good friends, and then uh, I moved here. I met my partner, Steve, when I was in nursing school in Savannah. But then after that, we moved different places. And finally, I moved here to join him. We got married in 2016. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we got married. That was very nice. Very, I was very happy. But then things happened when we got married. Uh, a, fr <clears throat> a friend of mine find, found out that I was married. And we all love social media, Facebook, and all that. And he made a comment on Facebook and said, Hi, I just want to congratulate my friend Ben and his husband. They just got married. Yay. And then uh, somebody that is uh, an associated press with one of the main newspapers in Kenya uh, is a friend of this friend of mine. So he caught that. Uh, and then from somebody did a blog, somebody else did a blog, somebody else did a blog. And while all these blogs, and then I found out that it was going to be in the newspaper 
in two days' time, the main newspaper, uh, the Nation, it's called the Nation, it's like the New York Times of Kenya. And so I had never told my mom I was gay. I never told anybody I was gay. I'm sure my sister knew because she would see things about uh, Steve and stuff like that on my social media. And so it was very stressful. Uh, I was like, oh my God, I don't want my mom to find out tomorrow morning when this, it's in the paper tomorrow morning. And it was very stressful, so I had to call my mom, and I said, and I called my mom, and I said, uh, no, I texted my sister first, and I said, hi, if you see something in the newspaper about me, don't worry, I'm fine. And then she told my mom, and my mom calls me immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom calls me immediately. Oh, gosh, Ben, have you done something wrong? Uh, have you been arrested, something? And I said, oh, um, of course, they all, there was a lot of uh, um, um, hesitancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was, I, I, the only thing I could tell her is, uh, uh, Mom, uh, um, uh, it's, it's, it's about me and Steve. And she was like, uh, what about you and Steve, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and the only thing I could come up with at that time was, uh, Steve and I have been boyfriends for a while now. Yeah. And she just fell apart. So that was extremely difficult for her. And I, I remember I was uh, at a hospital, I was... I was just clocking in, at, uh, the, I was doing a travel assignment in uh, San Francisco. And so I said, Mom, I'm sorry, I just got to work. Uh, I'll give you a call soon. But then she was waking up in the morning. And before I got a chance to call her, she had woken up. It was, I think, on a Sunday morning. And it was in the newspaper. I think the front page of the newspaper. Kenyan gay man marries his uh, uh, math professor, whatever, whatever, in the U.S., Wow, in the main newspaper. And so you can imagine how difficult that was for my family. And I went through a very hard time. I was fine, but because of what my family was going through, that was like the hardest thing ever. Uh, and of course, there was all these comments, uh, like negative comments, all these threats on my life. He needs to be killed. He needs to be stoned to death. He needs to be lynched and all that stuff for being gay. Uh, so, and of course, uh, as far as my mom and my family, uh, we had different people from all over, like uncles and cousins and stuff like that, travel from different cities to come and be with my mom, almost like she had lost me, like to just comfort my mom. Uh, so you can imagine that was extremely difficult for me and my family. Um, but the other thing that happened when this happened, I think it was bound to happen at some point. When it happened, I realized, oh my gosh, now I feel so free. Because the only thing that was preventing me from being free, I knew I was free, I knew God loves me, I'm, I'm born again. That's something that can never go away. But the only, that's my alarm. <laughs> I set my alarm for seven minutes. You're fine. Okay. Uh, the only thing that was pre uh, holding me back from being free was my mom not knowing about me and how not even cousins and all that, just my mom and my brother and my sister. That was the hardest thing. But now that the knew I was gay and I was actually married and everything, it was hard for them, but it was, I was very freeing for me that they know about me now. Yeah. And I had nothing to hide from them. That was the most freeing thing. But so we went through this very hard thing and my mom, I think she ended up with a house, to the hospital uh, with high blood pressure and all that stuff. Uh, but so it was a huge thing. 
And it was, it was big. Like now if you Google Steven Ban, it comes up all this craziness. The comments were the worst things ever. I mean, the story is fine, but the comments and threats and death threats and all this crap is... I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> and, all the, and all this other stuff was the hardest thing. But anyway, through, uh, I was able to, you know, call my, I mean, talk to my mom and, um, and everything. In a long story short, everything's fine now. My mom is fine. And I was going to say about the, whole, the very difficult time she went through was she came to find out that all these people that she goes to church with, all these friends, everybody was just, everywhere, everywhere she'd turn, every, people are just talking about, and that's very hard. I don't know about here, but that's very hard in Africa where it's so community-based. It's very hard. Um, but uh, the media actually even tried to contact my mom so that you know, they could quote her when they did another story. Uh, so that was bad. Uh, but now things are better. I have a very good relationship with my mom and my family. And um, I thank God for everything. <clears throat> People wrote me emails and texts and said, Ben, thank you so from Kenya. Thank you so much. You don't know what you've done to us. This has really encouraged and at least showed people that there are gay people uh, that love God and are you know, doing well in their lives and stuff like that. So I just want to, I thank God I live here. Uh, it's, it's a blessing to live here. If I can get over my being black thing. <laughs> I always, uh, to be honest with you, I always, um, I always, I mean, I, and I still say that, that being, um, being gay to me, it's nothing compared to being black. I'm sorry. Uh, that has been my experience. I can't talk about anybody else. That I've been through things where one time I struggled a little bit and I had to like take a few shots before I went on in public just to be invisible. And so that's kind of thing. But uh, I've gone through stuff. I've had therapy and God and my husband always supported me and now my family being on my side. And I found this beautiful church here with good community. Uh, I'm doing fine, and I just had a graduate school uh, here at the U, and uh, I, I just thank God, and uh, I pray that God will use my life as a testimony to bless other people. Amen. All right, thanks, and God bless you. making the church for. If we only made the church for Ben, it would have been worth any yep. hassle that any of you have been through. Yeah. I just want to say that. Um, you know, people, people sometimes who aren't like local people, but, you know, kind of know our story and know my story, and then they, I'm having coffee with them, they're like, what's it like? Like, how are things going at Blue Ocean? And I just, I'm like, I've never been so proud of a church in my life that I've been part of. I'm like, we get, we get like 30% of our church is LGBTQ. And like the, the people who come have, some of them have stories like Ben and like there's, they love God so much that they're willing to go through all this. What was that technical theological term you used, Ben? Crap? Yep. I think that was it. Yes. Um, that's a euphemism. And, and they're here. So we're getting like the, the, the 
God kids, you know, like we're getting like the cream of the crop in terms of the love for God kids. And then we've got 70% straight. We're known as the gay church. We're 70% straight for heaven's sake. You know, how does that become a minority? You know what I'm saying? You know, when the majority loses a little market share, it's like, whoa, I just, I don't feel like I fit in this church anymore. I'm like, I'm there. So many gay people. (laughs) It's kind of hilarious. Speaking as a majority person, I know that feeling and it it is ridiculous I just want to say speaking for myself Um, but um, it's it's um, to have a church where the straight people who are used to being in the majority have had to pay some small social cost to be at a church It like invites the Holy Spirit. It's like it creates an atmosphere that I, I, I never knew how good it would feel until it actually happened. And if I had known, I would have done this in 1998 instead of whenever it was. So I want to talk today about the importance of being allies. Um, Emily really set this up for us last Sunday Get Emily's sermon from last Sunday. I call my daughter Grace and I tell her about church. And I, she, I said, Emily preached the best sermon today. And she's like, Dad, you say that every time I talk to you. I don't believe it. I know I'm serious this time. And I'm telling you, I'm serious this time. It was the best sermon ever. And it was about the, the paralytic, you know, the, who had these friends. And because Israel, you know, really the the law of Israel is like take care of your friends, especially your needy friends. The poor man was paralyzed, didn't have a wheelchair, had to be carried on mats. And and, and Jesus is teaching and Capernaum and and it's crowded and there's a lot of religious tension around it. And these guys, it's, you know, it's like Lady Gaga is at the Michigan Theater, a small venue for Lady Gaga. And you have no tickets. But you have to get in to the concert. You, you're going to do some things that are not necessarily legal to get in. And that's what these guys were doing. They brought their friend. They, they pushed their way through their crowd. They were those annoying people. They got up on the roof. They, they, as Emily described, you know, these thatch, mud, kind of tile combination roofs that were solid. But you could actually dig them out. They dug it out big enough to lower down a, their paralyzed friend on a mat right into the middle where Jesus was. And Jesus says, because of your faith. And then he he assured this man of his belonging in the presence of God. And just to put an exclamation point, he like empowered him to walk for the first time in many years. Just a picture of the importance of allies in what we're doing. And you know, the, the term, you may be familiar with it. I'm a, like a World War II child. My dad was in World War II. And you know, the alliances that were built at that time, the a North Atlantic Treaty Organization, you know, where the European nations made an alliance with Canada and the U.S. It was like a mutual defense pact. If any one of our nations is attacked, we'll act as if we're all attacked. The only time it was actually, you know, like realized was after 9-11 when the NATO allies came to support the United States in Afghanistan. That's what it means to be an ally. It's standing up for another person in the face of conflict or in the face of tension, or in the face of social uh, disapproval, or in the face 
of attack, that you're not an ally unless you're willing to like put something on the line and cost something. And as I was studying the Bible on what it means to be an ally, I came across just how, fu- how fundamental this is to being a human being. It's right in the origin story of Israel and the origin story of the church, Genesis chapter 2. This is like a word picture of God's good realm unfolding where God is like a character in the garden and he's felt in the wind and the breeze and the humans are at peace and harmony with one another and they're at harmony with all the other creatures who share the breath of life that they have and 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 they're at peace with nature and it's like God's good realm the way it's supposed to be that's the scene in Genesis chapter 2 and there's a part where the second human comes into being and this is the text I had a handout for you (laughs) I forgot to print it out if there's anyone who would really like my single handout (laughs) like you're just nerdy it's just really you really just groove on handouts you got the handout absolutely that's yours yes yes get the handout because I'm going technical here on you people so stick with me I'm giving you some Hebrew terms The Lord God said, it is not good for the human to be alone. I shall make a sustainer beside him. This is a Hebrew uh, scholar, Robert Alter's translation. I will make him a sustainer beside him. The old translations are really weak. They're like a helpmate. And it's like, you know, daddy's little helper. It's like the assistant and this... Uh, like top-notch Hebrew scholar Robert Alter says that's completely wrong. Um, the Hebrew is Ezer Kenegdo. Could you say that, Ezer? Kenegdo. No, just Ezer. Uh, this is like <laughs> kindergarten. Ezer. Okay, that's the help part of the word. And Kenegdo. Like you know, let's say I'm making some dough and I put an egg in it and my name's Ken. It's Ken Egg Dough, right? Ezer Ken Egg Dough. Oh, you guys are geniuses. It's amazing. What, what Alter is saying is that that second term, Ken means alongside, opposite, or a counterpart. And he's saying the, the first term, Ezer, Help is too weak in English because it suggests a merely assisting function. Whereas Ezer elsewhere connotes active intervention on behalf of someone. And get this, especially in military contexts, as often in the Psalms. The term is most often applied in the Hebrew Bible to God as our helper. And God ain't no assistant to nobody. This is God we're talking about. So the word ally, I think, conveys the meaning of this important Hebrew term, which is at the very origins of humanity. It's like who we are in the image and likeness of God. To be in the image and likeness of God fully is to become an Ezer Kenegdo. This is how we bring God's good realm into the world is by like taking our place as an Ezer Kenegdo, as an ally. So there's another Hebrew important word in that origin story in Genesis chapter 2 and it's 
sounds kind of like the wind. It's ruach. It's that ruach. Go ahead. Ruach. Ooh, I love words. That's just giving me a witness, I want to say. This is where it first appears. The Lord God fashioned the human, humus from the soil. It's a word play. And blew into his nostrils the breath, the ruach of life. And the human became a living creature, or in effect, a living soul. So Hebrew is the language of the, what we call the Old Testament, really the Older Testament. And the word means like three things at the same time. It means wind, it means breath, and it means spirit. It doesn't mean one of those over the other. It's wind, breath, and spirit. And in that garden story, that God is in the wind. And God is like in the breath. So it's a very concrete way of understanding the spirit. And in that original story, it's the spirit from God into the human that makes like the first connection between persons. Because in Genesis chapter 2, God is like a character. He's like a figure. He's walking around. He's talking. He's kneeling in the ground, God is. And so this is, the, this is a sign in this kind of very um, symbolic story that the connection between human beings comes from God. And it, it, it is spirit. It's what animates us. It, what, it's what makes us like a human community together, which is what God had in mind. In the beginning, it's not good for the human to be alone. Now, the interesting thing is that Jesus... Jesus was like a rabbi, and the great rabbis in Israel were allowed from time to time to come up with like an expansion of the tradition, or like even an innovation in the tradition. And Jesus introduced an innovation, an expansion of the tradition regarding Ruach. And he named Ruach with almost like a personal name uh, the New Testament is in the language of Greek, and that word is paraclete. You know, before you play baseball, you bring your paracletes with you. It's like paraclete. That's what, not parakeet. Paraclete is the Greek word. This is the word Jesus introduced to refer to the Spirit. And, and as so far as we know, it was an innovation. It was like a new term of Jesus and I think it's because this is how Jesus experienced the Spirit. This is how Jesus understood the Spirit. And Jesus conceived of himself as like kind of conferring the Spirit to his followers. God was conferring the Spirit, but it was coming like through the revelation that God was bringing through Jesus. And the name for that is paraclete. What does paraclete mean? It means one called alongside to strengthen, and to defend. That's an ally, isn't it? The spirit in the New Testament is, is essentially the ally spirit. Now, an ally is more than a fan, right? <laughs> an ally is more than, you know, we're fans of famous people because we can get something from them. You know, like, wow, I'm around, I saw Lady Gaga, you know, like, Wow, some of her glory, you know, kind of like came upon me. And it's, it's all about what you can get from this celebrity when you're a fan. It's nothing. Or, or a sympathizer. It's like, well, 
oh, I, re- I really care about you, and, and I practice my active listening skills with you, and I'm like, I'm on your side, and, and, but it, it can all be paper. Ally is a word when push comes to shove. So an ally is willing to go to bat for you. An ally is willing to fight for you. You know, from my experience of this, when it came to this um, LGBTQ question, which is something that occupied my life for a good period of time, um, I was in the middle of, of, uh, toward the end, actually, of, of a change process in my own mind and in the church I used to pastor. And I think this would have been like 2012, maybe late 2011. I'd kind of settled it in my heart, but I hadn't really like, you know, spoken broadly about where I was really at. And the largest contributor in the church at that time, who gave about a sixth or a fifth of our total church budget here at Blue Ocean, about $40,000 a year. Our biggest contributor made an appointment with me to ask me where I was at when push comes to shove at the bottom line on this issue. It's amazing how few people asked me that question during that period. I think they were afraid of the answer. But he asked the question face to face and it was pointed, it was like, Ken, are you going to do a gay wedding? Now. I didn't have an opportunity to do a gay wedding at that time. The church process was still in process. The easiest thing for me to, to have done would have been to say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, to fudge the answer. To like, I'm wrestling with the issue, blah, blah, blah. But in that moment, I had, I swear to God, it was like a visionary experience. And Lisa Ruby came into the room. Lisa Ruby is a Jewish attorney who is attending the church. She's married to Lisa Carrico. And I mean, I remember the office I was in. I remember sensing where Lisa was. She was on my left over here and the person I talk, was talking to here. So was, I could feel her there. And because Lisa was there, I knew she's listening to my answer. And my answer has to have integrity with Lisa if it's going to have integrity with God. And I answered, I said, well, I, I haven't had the opportunity yet, but the logic of my position is absolutely I will. And $40,000 walked out of the church <laughs> when I said that. You know, that, that, to me, that was the ally experience. Now, I know the difference between me rising to an occasion and the spirit interjecting himself or herself into a situation so you can't avoid it. This was the latter. This was the spirit interjecting himself, herself, itself into the situation, forcing my hand and in effect teaching me what it means to be ally, what it means to be Ezer Kenegdo. It was my introduction to that. And so I, I kind of carry that with me. Um, an ally, ally speaks up when it might make a little roof mud fall on the carpet. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus actually emphasizes the speaking up part. It's part of the hard sayings of Jesus. Here's a doozy. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and my words, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory. He's like, hey, 
if you're with me and you're not willing to say it when there's something on the line, well, you're not with me. You know, you're with me, not with me, but you're with me when you're away from me. You know what I'm saying? And there are people who don't like what I'm doing and you're not willing to like identify with me. It's, it's a... Any spouse would feel that way about their spouse. Any good friend would feel that way about their good friend. This is not particularly harsh. This is just human. So, you know, many of us grew up in families that had like presumed perspectives on race. And, and I'm so glad that you pointed out, Ben, that the experience of being black, especially in the United States, um, it, it like doesn't hold a candle to, to being gay. I think that's something all of us who are white need to, need to hear and, and receive from you. You're teaching us and, and I just want to receive that. Uh, but many of us grew up in families that you know, you had like, in family systems, you have shared perspectives on hot button issues, on race, on women, on sexual minorities. And when you're gathered for Thanksgiving, the presumed family perspective just gets articulated by whoever the spokesperson is in the family, grandpa or dad or, you know, mom or whatever. And everyone just kind of silently goes along because it's the family culture. And... Maybe a disparaging comment is made about, oh, the gay lifestyle. This, this is the hilarious one to me, you know, the gay lifestyle. You know, it's like, yeah, the gay lifestyle is like wanting to be able to hold hands in public like I do. Yeah. Or, you know, like wanting to have, a, have like a decent job and health care and, and maybe get married sometime and live kind of a boring life. That's the, that's the gay lifestyle. <laughs> you know, like just, get, I want into that, you know, is what, you know, but, you know, phrases like that, code phrases, or maybe there's Black Lives Matter is like spoken of in disparaging terms. Like it's reverse racism. Right, like white people experience racism, what a crock, you know. There are options, though, for responding in these, in these situations that, you know, like every Thanksgiving, you can't go toe-to-toe to grandpa. You know, maybe grandpa had just got diagnosed with cancer and he's got like three months to live and he's not going to be changing his mind and he spouts off at Thanksgiving. We're like, what do you do? What are some options? Well, Brian McLaren gave me this tip. It was a great one. He said, it's the hand to the forehead. Someone says something like that. You just put your, you're like, you say, oh my gosh, I see things so differently. Oh my gosh, I see things so differently. This is a simple act of like self-defining and saying, you know, my silence is not complicity with what you're saying. I, I have a different take on this issue. You know, lots of times um, we miss the moment in the moment. Don't, don't you hate that? When you miss the moment in the moment and these things always just pop up in the moment and like... All your rejoinders come like 5, 10, 15 minutes later. I was with, with a guy pretty, pretty recently. And there's like a man talk thing that happens. And if you heard some of the man talk, you'd be like, ooh, you would cringe. But th this guy's actually a pretty progressive person. I, it's, it surprised me. He said something like, you know, most women are somewhere on the crazy scale 10. And most women are like at least a four. Oh, wow. and, and I'm like, you know, I was just like, and, and I, I just let it pass and I'm like 
I didn't know how to respond. I, 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 you know, I, I didn't want to do like the awkward corrective thing in the middle or like, you know, whatever. I, I, I was a confused muddle. And then, but as I'm driving home, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, oh my gosh, you know. And, and I've started beating myself up, you know, you little wuss, you know. And I just felt like the Spirit's like, chill, you know, like, like you can circle back. And you can always circle back. And so, you know, I, I said, what would I say if, if that came up again? And I thought, you know, I would say, you know, gosh, that's so different than my experience. Like my, between my mother and my father, my mother was extremely emotional, st- emotionally stable. My two sisters are like that rock, emotional rocks. In my, I, I work with Emily Swan, who is like the emotional intelligence, like off the charts that most of the, the, the women that I work with on, on staff, these are stable, like strong women. It's like my experience is so different than yours. And I prayed, God, give me a chance to circle back on this one. And the next time we had coffee, we circled back. And it was, I just, I said, you know, my experience is, you said the other day, this is like, I was thinking about that. I was like, my experience is so different than that. Little things we can do that make a big difference. You know, um, in two weeks, Liz Dyer is going to be here. I sure hope you could be here for Liz Dyer, who's flying in from uh, Texas, and she's the founder of the Serendipity Doodah Moms, which is the largest uh, secret Facebook group for the mama bears. These are mothers of LGBTQ kids who support each other. Most of them are from conservative church settings, and this is like their support group. And, and they're getting a, they're really making a difference in the conversation on this. I mean, the spirit is breathing on this group of women in like very significant ways. And it's really going to be an honor to have Liz Dyer here speaking. And she'll really be speaking out of the heart of what it means to be an ally as a, as a mom. And I think we can learn so much from them. Um, for our meditation time, you know, I just wanted to honor... Um, I'm done with the sermon, by the way. That's the signal. <laughs> um, I wanted to honor Ben and, and his charismatic um, background by just taking our meditation time kind of like as a church to just like pray over Ben. Um, maybe, I don't know, where would be a good place for Ben to sit for this? Ben, why don't you come sit between Steve and... I was just going to say middle... Our middle-aged Jesus. <laughs> Our middle-aged white Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no, well, Steve, come on. He, you, you're, I know you're Baptist, but put on your charismatic hat. Sit right next to Ben. Oh, he wants, to, he wants to do the laying on of hands. Okay, I got you, Steve. I'm down with you. Yep. Um... You know, in Pentecostal churches, um, an individual will be the focus of prayer, and the the prayers will be prayers of blessing. And I I just feel like so honored that Ben is part of our church. And, um, you know, the, the conscience is a communal organ. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, how we think about ourselves inside is mediated by the groups that we're part of. And we're, we're, not, we're not an island. Our conscience is not an island. You know, the, the old African proverb, you know, I am because you are. 
Like, I exist only in relationship. That expresses it. And when you grow up in a situation where the communal conscience says what you're doing is just wrong and all that kind of stuff, it, it has a way of sinking into your, into your spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the antidote to that. The, the Holy Spirit as paraclete, who is the defender of the accused, who is the one called alongside as an ally. So I think like we have a special place in Ben's life as his church where Ben can be himself. And so I just want to um, have us join together. Let's, I don't know, let's take like 30 seconds just of quiet and silence and just in our own quiet way pray like, Lord, we hold Ben up in the light of your love and approval. Let's just do that for 30 seconds each of us in our own space with God in our hearts and our minds. Lord, we hold Ben up in the light of your love and your approval. And now I'd just like to do an invocation of the Holy Spirit. This is a tradition in the church from the earliest time. God is always present, but when the church cries out, Holy Spirit, come, the Holy Spirit comes in a particular way for the particular needs of the people. So I say, come, Holy Spirit. As, As Ben's community of faith, we gather around him, and we together pray, come, Holy Spirit, and rest on Ben. Rest on Ben, our brother. We pray that you would uh, confer the favor of the Lord upon him, the favor that rested on your beloved son Jesus when he was baptized and the dove settled upon him and, and the voice from heaven spoke, bore witness to his heart saying, you are my beloved son, my child, in whom I am well pleased. We speak that over Ben in Jesus' name. And we do battle on Ben's behalf against voices that we all internalize. Voices of accusation, voices of a malformed conscience, voices of homophobia, voices that come not from the kingdom of God but from the pit of hell. We say no to those voices in Jesus' name. We nullify them by the power and the authority of Jesus, who is the defender of the accused, and by the presence of the Holy Spirit. We pray now that the Holy Spirit would reach deep into Ben's heart and settle into all the affective regions of his heart, his secret thoughts in the middle of the night when he can't go to sleep. That space that we all inhabit, where we're a little bit neurotic and we're a little bit, you know, vulnerable. I pray the Holy Spirit would be present with Ben in powerful ways. I pray any words that have been spoken by powerful people in Ben's life that have been words of accusation or that have been words of disappointment and sometimes these come from the closest people, the people who who have the most power in our lives. We receive the genuine love but we reject accusation in Jesus' name. 
And we, we just want to thank you, Lord, for uh, Ben's resilience, for um, his power to discern the difference between people and God in the midst of this. And we pray that you'd grant us all the ability to learn from him and to receive the gifts that he has for our community. Amen. Amen. Amen.